Welcome to the Seller Roundtable e-commerce coaching and business strategies with Andy Arnott and Amy Wees. Let's get back to the main thing. What would you say is the biggest line of defense? So we all know we're, there's different ways and we first have to identify that we're being attacked, right? We have to look and we have to realize that being attacked is a very real possibility and it's happening all the time. And that's what you talked about a little bit, right? But what is for sellers that are out there that are wondering, like, I wonder if my competitor is attacking me. What is their biggest line of defense? What are some things that they can do day to day to protect themselves from these types of attacks? Yeah, so using the backend keyword abuse, um, those loopholes as an example, um, be very adept and agile with your flat files and reload every, what, few hours to make sure that no one's overwriting your flat files and adding async contributions that don't belong there. And maybe that's just one tip, but that's just a way of thinking too. Be on your toes all the time. Understand, here's the second one. Understand that you can't take weekends off. You can't take weekends off on Amazon anyway. Um, if you're not around, make sure somebody's watching things because when do competitors love to hit you? Friday night, Saturday morning, when they think you're not paying attention. I mean, Amazon's a 24-7 thing anyway for most people, but if you're not working seven days a week, make sure you've got a weekend crew. Make sure you've got somebody who's forwarding these notifications to you another way by text or by phone or some way they can reach you on a weekend, no matter how many events that your kids have that you're going to throughout the day on Saturday or Sunday. How many people contact me on a weekend because they got attacked Friday night? A lot. It's become mm -hmm. standard. Prepare for that. Know that now before it happens. Have a Friday night plan. Have a Saturday night plan. Have a Black Friday plan and a Cyber Monday plan. It's not going to be the same as when you're all, I mean, these days, not a lot of people are working out of an office anymore anyway, right? Yeah. Whatever that money was that you, you, you used to spend on an office, <laughs> stop paying for the office keep working remotely, that's fine, but be creative and juggle work hours and work schedules a little bit so that some people, I mean, when I worked at Amazon, I worked Sunday through Thursday, you know, that was a schedule that was great for me and for some members of my team. Have that agility. Don't be married to these concepts of like, well, we're going to do most of what we do on this business, this account Monday through Friday. And that's one thing we are talking about the Seller Velocity Conference is business structure and operations not just like how do you sell more on Amazon or how do you, you know, deal with this or that on Amazon? No, how do you function as a good running business? How do you communicate with each other better, right? A lot of the speakers we have this year, it's for selling anywhere, any channel, not just on Amazon. It's for running, creating SOPs for yourself as a business. Sure, SOPs related to specific Amazon problems. Sure, of course, why not subdivide them on that level? And I love, of, you know, yeah. you being a consultant for Amazon sellers, I love that you are focused on this conference on how can they do bigger things off of Amazon as well yeah. as on Amazon. So let's talk about this conference. Mm -hmm. um, it's going to be on the 23rd. Third. <laughs> which is a Thursday in yeah. Boston, Massachusetts. Mm -hmm. And who should attend and why? So growing brands, um, the content will not be beginner based <laughs> or beginner level. Um, if you're a new brand and you've grown quite a bit in the last 12 to 18 months, then this could be for you. If you're medium size or of course, larger brands will be there as well, but it's, it's higher level strategy for brands that want to manage things better 
that want to be more effective in terms of you know cost management, in terms of not wasting time communicating with Amazon teams, in terms of identifying off Amazon marketing that works, other channels for selling, but it's also teaching survival skills, survival on Amazon and survival in general, because brands that are competitors of yours are going to figure this out if they haven't already, and they're going to be great selling brands with great word of mouth on Amazon, but also overseas and other marketplaces. Some countries don't have Amazon as a giant player, right? Yet, maybe. But Europe, Asia, you know, think of some other growing uh, marketplaces out there. Um, how to manage inventory better, how to manage your presence as a brand better, but just how to survive in terms of also, you know, managing uh, your, your ads. I mean, ads have become such a big deal on Amazon. They weren't such a big deal a few years ago. How to manage your defense if somebody does attack you. You've, you've got contacts, you've made allies, let's just say within Amazon for starters, maybe allies elsewhere in you know, the, the ecosystem as well. Maybe you've got um, an attorney who understands your IP and how to protect it and defend it. Maybe they helped you set up the IP, um, but also you have a better understanding of how you could be attacked illicitly from somebody claiming to have your IP or registering your trademark in another country, for example. Those are all survival skills to me. And I think brands that are really doing well, I mean, it's great to have YouTube videos about killing it and crushing it and all that stuff. Take it to the next level. Don't be content to stay there because you can have success on Amazon without really knowing what you're doing sometimes. And that means you've also failed to build defenses when somebody else figures out where you're vulnerable and decides they can make some inroads, not just taking sales away from you, but to weaken your standing at Amazon because they understand how Amazon investigates accounts and how they could pick you apart if you start getting complaints on ASINs. It doesn't take a lot for a competitor to buy the services of some black hat uh, service provider to have them use their buyer accounts to buy from you. All of this will be completely unseen by Amazon teams, by the way, and have them start making allegations that your products aren't safe, aren't useful, aren't in good condition, aren't whatever aren't even, we're getting people who are getting hit with expired complaints for items that aren't consumables, right? Like, you know, this shoulder scratcher is expired. Um, mm. You know, these- yes. uh, I've heard about that too. Yeah. So it sounds like- Back seller scratcher, velocity, I mean, not shoulder, sorry. <laughs> it sounds like seller velocity, and I'm excited, I'm gonna be there. Uh, seller velocity is going to be, it's a one day conference and it's, focused on resilience, really mm -hmm. resilience and strengthening your business overall and meeting with other business owners, getting that networking in where we are building up our resilience and looking at how can we have a strong brand both on and off of Amazon? Yeah. What strategies can we employ to uh, really strengthen our business overall, right? Mm -hmm. And I can um, talk a bit about format too, just really quick. It is a one day event. Yeah. It's going to be a mixture of lightning talks of 15 to 20 minutes by our speakers and also breakout sessions, smaller groups where there's more interaction with the speakers. We're not really doing the PowerPoint slides. You know, you're being talked at for several hours approach. Um, we've had different formats for each of the years that we've done seller velocity. We think this is going to be an effective uh, way of getting people to interact with speakers. We also have a networking happy hour. Works pretty well at the Prosper Show. Works well for our our event, our conference as well. Um, and then for certain ticket buyers, there'll be a dinner event after the conference is over. So you mentioned September 24th, 
the events on September 23rd, but feel free to fly home on the 24th after you've been with us into the evening and been able to you know rub shoulders with us a bit more. So, so, so first time we're doing Boston, by the way, we're excited to be doing it on my home turf, which is my native town, Boston. So, so, so Chris, at the event after, you know, when you go, guys go out on, on the town, um, are you guys going to, is there like a, we're going to go beat up the smart kids event, you know? Right. You might hear some Boston accents. It's going to be in the seaport, which is the seaport's an interesting part of Boston that's kind of morphing into something that might exist in a lot of American cities. Um, but uh, Amazon's in the seaport. Uh, we're co-hosting with Tika Metrics. Their offices are in the seaport. And there's just a lot of kind of nightlife and excitement in the seaport. There's a lot of great um, open air uh, outdoor decks and things like that where you can get a late night drink. Hopefully at the end of September, it'll still be pretty warm. <laughs> you never know around here with the year. I can guarantee there will not be any snow, okay? There will be oh. no snow on September 23rd. <laughs> the earliest we've had snow in this area the last, I don't know, 10 or 20 years has been like October 27th or something like that. I will never do a conference here in October. You're testing fate there, Chris. You know, that they also said, you know, oh, Idaho will never, never get over 100 for more right. than a few days. You know, mm -hmm. we, we've had like, like 20, 100 plus days here. So I know. be careful and what you Seattle say. Seattle heat wave. I just got back from right. Seattle. I wasn't here when it was 104. But in 2009, I was living there working at Amazon and it got I think at the airport, it got to 103 degrees. That was the record they just broke. So anything could happen, but put me on record. I'm personally guaranteeing no snow on September 23rd. If there's a little early morning ice, that does not count. We're talking about snow. And snow here means like multiple inches of snow. We're not using Washington, D.C. or Virginia rules for snow, where there's a couple flakes and all the schools are closed. <laughs> yes, that's insane. Or where so you are in San Antonio, right? <laughs> Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, I'm so excited to, I, I think it's going to be my first time in Boston, if I'm not mistaken. Awesome. So I'm excited about that. And I'm excited to be there with other business owners and learn all the things there, there are to learn there as well yeah. as share some stuff. So mm -hmm. um, we're looking forward to having you. Yeah, we, we really love to, on the podcast, also just talk to you as a business owner. And um, so we'd love to hear from you from a business owner perspective. Um, and the toughest barrier, this is a hard question, the toughest barrier that you've had to overcome as a business owner, and how did you do it? It's tough dealing, we understand the frustration that, that sellers have when they're dealing with Amazon, and Amazon won't cooperate or won't communicate back with them. It's tough keeping emotion out of that equation. Um, we know there's a lot of people that say, I want you to put this in the appeal. I want you to say that. And it's like they want to get something off their chest. It's not necessarily the best way of getting things done, unfortunately. Um, if you have to do an escalation where you have to talk about how much revenue you've lost over how many days and how many teams you've been to who have refused to help, that's the right kind of emotion. We're struggling you know, as consultants sometimes with the wrong kind of emotion that people want to put in there where they wanna inject these little phrases like, oh, and say I never did anything wrong. You know, Say I've been victimized here. Say Jeff Bezos wouldn't appreciate what we've had to go through. It's like wrong kind of emotion. Right kind of emotion is I could be selling more. I've given you everything you asked for already that you keep asking for, but you haven't read it and resolved it. This issue could have been done, dealt, done with and dealt with a long time ago, but it hasn't been handled properly. Then you're going to them with a valid and legitimate complaint about something they should have done, as opposed to the venting, right? We all love to vent. Sometimes we have to take a step back, count to 10, 
<laughs> I mean, I understand it too. I'm dealing with the same stuff. Sometimes Amazon should just listen to what you're, what you're telling them, understand it, take the right action, and that's it, right? We go through this just as much as our clients do. It's frustrating to us too. Unfortunately, that's just part of the ball game when you're dealing with this sort of monolithic communication that they've decided to adopt. So that's our biggest struggle these days is keeping the emotion out of, out of what will be considered effective communication, keeping the emotion at bay. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, Chris. So what we like to um, end the podcast with is, uh, you know, normally, especially as a business owner, you know this, mm -hmm. that, you know, personal development and, and kind of staying up on, on events and, and information, especially on the e-commerce e world is, is, mm -hmm. you know, fairly important. Uh, but are you really into anything in terms of personal development or, or anything you're reading, listening to that have made, that it's made a big impact in either your personal life or your business life? You know, everything I've been reading lately has been about Amazon's inability to track bad behavior and do something about it as, as if it was an afterthought or they never anticipated it. Um, and I was sort of a fraud investigator when I first got to Amazon. I did fraud investigation before I ever worked at Amazon. So I've been reading a lot of books about things like white collar crime. And I'm also trying to figure out all these black hat consultants that keep jumping in and out of the Amazon space. I'm trying to figure out why sellers are so willing to pay them money and then come, come back and say, well, we didn't know what they were doing with our money. So I'm trying to understand better. You know, people think of white collar crime like Wall Street. You know, they think about like, a U.S. government employees being bribed or something like that. But all these stories are trickling out about Amazon employees doing things they shouldn't be doing on behalf of a brand or an account or black hat consultants that you would look at their website and think, why haven't these guys been like sued or arrested <laughs> or kicked out of the sphere, the, you know, the world of Amazon a long time ago. Um, I'm trying to figure out why people aren't fact checking more before they hand their money over and why, and also not just sellers, why is Amazon tolerating this abuse and this bad behavior without addressing it and trying to clean it up more aggressively? Is it just because agencies of the US government don't understand it and haven't pushed them enough? Is it just because the media hasn't really you know, pulled on the thread of that sweater to figure out what's going on inside that mess? Um, you occasionally see these stories, you occasionally hear about lawsuits and that type of thing, but um, that's what I'm reading a lot about. Um, I've read book after book about business fraud, about people deceiving investors and about Amazon, you know, not understanding that white collar crime also involves how they manage the marketplace and how ineffective they are at reducing bad behavior too. And those are the books they need to be reading if it's happening under their noses and if they're not detecting it soon enough. Otherwise they're discouraging brands from launching new products they're discouraging businesses from investing more in Amazon and they're encouraging people from they're encouraging people to explore all these other channels off Amazon to sell their stuff. And if you talk to Jeff Bezos, that's the opposite of what he wants, right? He wants more people investing more and selling more, more selection, better prices on Amazon, not so discouraged that they can't defend themselves on Amazon that they have to explore these other avenues. Yeah, I completely agree. It's funny. My dad and I were having this discussion recently, you know, it's like, uh, I feel like there's a lot of uh, missing moral compass just in modern business in general, yeah. right? Um, y y when you have people like like Bill Gates and and um, 
uh, and Steve Jobs as these put up on these pedestals. Mm-hmm. Not to say neither one of those those guys are are brilliant businessmen, right. um, but you know the the whole you know I you know if I like lie, cheat, and steal, and it doesn't hurt too many people, it's okay. You know, mm-hmm. um, that was a discussion my dad and I were were, were kind of chatting about, and it is interesting these days that I think that. Um, a lot of people are justifying, you know, kind of, you know, people or might be having greedy. that or greedy. Well, greed <laughs> yeah. is definitely part of it, but just and, and if that, no like, one stops them from being greedy, they get more greedy. Right. And, and that, yeah. that, that internal voice, you know, they're quieting that internal voice that says like, Hey, yeah. this might not be the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. And not to say that, you know, nobody can be perfect for their entire life. Right. But I right. feel like that's, that's really something that um, I've been noticing and, you know, in my, in what I've been doing a, a lot more trying to be, mm-hmm. um, you know, have the, the utmost integrity um, in, in dealing with, with, you know, clients and, and, and everything else. So um, that's an interesting point. And I think that if you don't have integrity, which I feel like Amazon definitely is lacking a lot of integrity in terms of not having these things in place um, in order to, you know, to, to help those issues, um, you know, that, that the trust in the platform is going to be lost. And I've been saying this for years is, is I feel like Amazon is, is the MySpace of e-commerce and, and, <laughs> you know, people laugh at me for that. Just like yeah. you did, Chris. Just like but, I just chuckled. Yeah. Right. Right. I but, just like the reference to MySpace. That no, yeah, no, but, but it, I mean, if you, if you really look at it, my personal yeah. belief and opinion is, is that if this continues, that's why people left eBay, right. Is the, the, the loss of, trust in the platform mm-hmm. and i feel like if amazon doesn't get their their act together i think that is definitely going to happen now who takes them over that's a whole nother discussion uh but anyway you sorry i kind of went off on a on a tangent no, there. that's okay i mean i think amazon you know could be facing a roman empire type moment some some years in the future where it's going to it takes a long time for you know it took hundreds of years for the roman empire to decline but you know, if enough years go by and they feel like they can act like a monopoly, they feel like no one's going to catch up. They feel like sellers are never going to go to another marketplace. Eventually, they will cause their own decline. Um, I mean, they're they're investigating how they can compete with private label brands with their own brands. So if they got to the point where they saturated the market with their own brands to the point that no other brand mattered, that's a different story. I mean, that's just kind of that's more like world domination than a monopoly but they are going to eat their way slowly through retail, but they have to just keep in mind that if they discourage people and burn people out on their way of doing business, eventually somebody will come with another alternative. And if that alternative is attractive and it's, if it's done right, if a company does what Amazon did when it really was day one at Amazon, and it is possible for somebody to create a competitor like that, they might slowly start losing business and then siphon off larger bits of business because they don't adapt and change quickly enough to how that other competitor is doing it, right? Yep, absolutely. It, it yeah, it'd be I, very enticing if somebody was like, "We're going to charge you fewer fees. We're still going to give you access to a wide." I mean, look at like uh, if somebody just made a deal with, let's say, TikTok. Hey, we're doing a marketplace just based on TikTok. Right. And all these, you know, competitive videos with YouTube. We're going to have. Everything's going to be marketplace-based, based on sales, content married to sales, an opportunity for sellers to create a new marketplace and get in on the ground floor. Really? No one would be interested in that? They yeah. would just keep doing the same old thing at Amazon? Right. I mean, that's not, that's not the way I view it. 
Yeah, absolutely. I've been yeah. saying for years that, you know, uh, uh, that if Facebook, you know, uh, either partnered with FedEx or somebody like right. that with the distribution network, it would be game over for Amazon. Not immediately, but they would they would take a huge chunk out of that market, I think, yeah. personally. Um, but all right, Chris, last but not least, how can people get a hold of you? Right. And so I know I mentioned the conference, sellervelocityconference.com. We talked about it being September 23rd here in Boston. There's also virtual tickets available for it. So I'll give um, give you guys some information to share with listeners on that. Uh, EcommerceChris.com. We've got a contact form if you've got problems with obviously an account suspension or any listing takedowns or any abuse related issues or listings that went down. You're not even sure if it's abuse or not. Just run it by us there. Um, you know, feel free to mention that, that you listened in on this podcast and we'll definitely show you some uh, worthwhile attention. So happy to help. Awesome, Chris. Thank you so much for being on. Really appreciate it. Some great info. If you guys haven't uh, joined us live before, please do so. Sellaroundtable.com forward slash live. Uh, we have been uh, live streaming this, but we don't always do that. So you might miss some stuff as we end the broadcast and the recording here. I'm going to ask Chris a few uh, selfish questions, which you would probably want to know about too, but that's the teaser to get you to come into the meeting because we love when you guys ask questions. I'm going to ask him about search, find, buy. And if he's seen any suspensions about that, don't answer Chris. I'm going to ask him about that as soon as I end this. So next time, join us live, sellaroundtable.com, and you'll get some of the, the, the super secret, double super secret behind the, the secret door information if you join us live. Thank you so much for joining us on the Seller Roundtable. Have a good day. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Thanks for tuning in. Join us every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Standard Time for live Q&A and bonus content after the recording at sellerroundtable.com. Sponsored by the ultimate software tool for Amazon sales and growth, sellerseo.com and amazingathome.com.